What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Monkey Financial Podcast. And today we're going to be recording episode number 41. Uh, we got 41 episodes in the book. It's kind of uh, shocking that I've been able to be this consistent uh, with the podcast. But thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, today I'm going to spend some time talking about uh, cryptocurrency and why it's the biggest Ponzi scheme that I have ever uh, seen. Um, I'm going to give some of my uh, reasoning why I don't invest in crypto. Um, I get a lot of questions about it, um, especially when when it's doing really well. Uh, when crypto's up, uh, my YouTube comment section is blowing up with, uh, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Uh, and so forth. Um, I'm not the biggest uh, expert, if you will, in cryptocurrencies. Uh, I did do some research um, initially, um, last year, um, to really get a better understanding of how cryptocurrencies work. Uh, but you know, my, my research was really just barely scratching the surface. Um, so I'm no expert by any means. Um, but what I am is, is an investor and somebody who is, uh, growing their wealth and on uh, well on their way to become a millionaire. So, you know, I feel like I do have some cred- credentials where I can teach you how to build wealth. Um, and, uh, you know, show you the, the, the road that I've taken, not that it's the only road, there's many different roads to take, uh, but, you know, show you what the probability is of, of becoming wealthy if you take this route. So in 2020, um, ARK was really the, the, I was waving the red flag on ARK and saying, everybody was talking how great ARK is. And I was just kind of saying, well, you know, this is not that great. This is just a anomaly, and you just give it give it a year, give it two years, give it five years, and it's gonna come crashing back down. And then you know, twenty twenty one, arc's pretty much negative, and nobody's talking about it, right? Everybody's moved on to now crypto. Crypto is up thousands and thousands of percents, and everybody wants to jump in on that wagon. And I I, I wave the same red flag that I did in twenty twenty on arc, the same red flag I'm waving for crypto. Uh, but it, it might be a little bit of a brighter red flag, right? So this year we've seen the rise of Bitcoin to 60 some thousand. We've seen it crash 50% in one month and go up 50% the next month, back forth and uh, and so forth. And um, it's it's astonishing to me that people think that's an investment, right? Like people believe that um, it, if you if I just got in, you know, before that run up, I could have doubled my money in a month and that's how, that's that's investing. That's not investing. That's that's getting a lottery ticket. There's no difference between, you know, buying into a cryptocurrency and hoping to double your money in a month uh, or buying a lottery ticket and hoping your numbers uh, uh, win. There's really no difference, right? That's and in either case, crypto or the lottery, neither one of those are investments. Um, those are are basically get rich quick schemes if you will uh, but the biggest problem that I that I see with crypto um, is not necessarily you know if, if people want to uh, put 20 bucks or 100 bucks into a, a, a cryptocurrency and hope that it skyrockets in price I'm fine with that that's again if you want to buy a lottery ticket and hope to win millions of dollars I'm fine with that but the biggest problem that I see is people actually believe this stuff is an investment. Um, this is a Ponzi scheme, uh, one of probably the greatest Ponzi schemes that I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I love me a good Ponzi scheme. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a student of history um, and I, I love uh, I, I love watching when I was younger, 
one of my guilty pleasures when I was, uh, instead of watching like cartoons as a kid, I liked to watch uh, American Greed. Um, it was a show on, I think it was CNBC that show was on. I don't remember the channel now. Um, I don't know, I was like 10 or 11 years old. And I just liked watching that show because it showed a lot of greedy people, a lot of scam artists and some of the stuff they're willing to do uh, and, and basically pull the wool over investors' eyes um, to uh, to get rich. And, you know, when you just step back and, and look at this from a uh, from a outsider's perspective, an outsider's lens, and I consider myself an outsider because I don't own any crypto assets, the whole uh, idea behind it started as a big mystery of Satoshi and, and Bitcoin. And nobody knows who Satoshi is, this this guy who basically owns, I think, 15 or 20% of the supply of Bitcoin. Nobody even knows who this guy is or if it's a team or what it is. Um, so it, it has a it has that kind of, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? It has that mystery to it, right? Um, but then when you just think about what needs to happen for the price of it to go up, because um, there's a story and a narrative out there that cryptocurrency is the future but nothing cryptocurrency has shown me uh, reflects that story, right? So people are going to start using it as a payment. People are going to do this. People are going to do that. That's not what's happening today. Could it happen in the future? Yes, maybe. But I, I, I don't invest on maybes, right? Like I need, I need a level of certainty and a probability that something will happen. And I'm not seeing it here. That's why I'm not putting my money into it. You guys are grown adults. You can do whatever you want. But essentially... The only way this price uh, of this, uh, I'll use air quotes, asset uh, class goes up is if you can find a bigger fool than you to buy it from you, right? Because there's no underlying value. There's no real use case. Um, so you just basically have to hold on and, and sell it to the next fool. And this is how the whole greater fool theory uh, works. But the problem with the greater fool theory is eventually you run out of fools. And are we there yet? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Again, I'm not claiming that tomorrow this stuff is all going to crumble. But eventually there's not going to be enough fools, right? You're not going to fool me. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's not willing to be fooled. So there's plenty of people that are not going to be fooled. Um, and eventually you run out of the fools. And what we see now is... is uh, really, a lot of people uh, jumping into uh, meme coins or alternative coins. Shiba Inu is one that I think just surpassed Dogecoin, um, with like it's got the eighth largest, um, eighth largest market cap, and it was literally created as a joke about Dogecoin. And Dogecoin was created as a joke about Bitcoin. So again, no real use cases here, just jokes. Um, and a lot of the creators are getting wealthy, but I think, um, the individuals that are investing in this stuff are not. And I just saw one too. Um, I think it was called squid coin. Um, there's apparently a popular, either a show or a series on Netflix called the squid games or game squid, whatever it's called. And somebody just went out and created a coin, of, uh, about this game and, um, basically there was no coin. <laughs> so a bunch of people bought in and then the rug pull happened. Um, and whoever created this ran away with a couple of a million or if not close to $500 million. I don't know what the number was, but th there's a lot of that, right? So people try to tell me then, you know, well, you know, if you just buy the good ones, <laughs> 
like like we know uh, okay let's use bitcoin because it's the first one ethereum whatever um if you just buy the good ones it's gonna go up right it, it in the future it's gonna be worth half a million right because look you know in 2013 it was worth ten dollars or a hundred dollars and who would have thought you know it'd be worth what it is now and that's a that's a really dumb way to think about it um that that just tells me the intelligence of these people that, that talk like this. These are some um, stupid, stupid people. I don't want to use uh, a, a stronger word. I don't know. I don't want to get uh, demonetized here. But these are some really stupid people uh, that are touting these things. And if you want to listen to them, by all means, go ahead. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not here to say that um, I know uh, everything there is to know about everything. But when I see a Ponzi scheme, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know it's a Ponzi scheme. And and when I dug into crypto, nothing about it uh, flashed that, hey, this is a brilliant investment or this needs to be a certain percentage of my asset allocation in my portfolio. Um, everything that I looked into says, hey, this is a, really just a big Ponzi scheme. And you need to keep following more people in. You need to bring more fools in to buy into this so that we can keep it going. And, you know, now it's reached, I don't know, uh, haven't recently checked what the market cap is of crypto, uh, but I bet you it's a few trillion dollars. Um, and that's not a, a small amount of money, right? That's not by any means a small amount of money. Um, right now it's $2.7 trillion with uh, roughly about... 13,500 coins um, or cryptocurrencies available on the market. That's, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, Bitcoin's crossed the trillion market cap. I think Ethereum's at 500 billion. And then uh, you got some of the smaller ones um, like uh, Cardano and, and Shiba and, and the rest, Dogecoin, the rest of those sitting in the low 50s to 30 uh, billion, which is still, you know, when you think about it, these market caps, these are bigger than. Um, a lot of the a lot of the companies in the S and P five hundred. If you exclude the large cap, mega cap, not the large cap, the mega cap stocks, and you just include the regular um, uh, stocks in the stock market, so you know the S and P five hundred, the the top twenty. If you exclude those and you exclude twenty one through five hundred, you know these cryptos are bigger than those companies, and that's the part that I'm having a huge disconnect. Cryptocurrencies, two of them, that were literally created as a joke to make fun of cryptocurrencies now have a combined market cap of $70 billion. Um, that is not only a Ponzi scheme, that is uh, a, a, a bubble that is bursting at the seams. Um, and eventually people are going to start to wake up and realize these things, right? And like I said, the biggest problem is you run out of fools to fool. And when you can't fool anybody else, um, uh, somebody's going to get stuck holding the bag eventually. So uh, obviously, I feel very strongly about crypto. I don't invest in it. Um, but I do want to share as far as asset allocation um, because there's there's this idea that uh, you need broad diversification in not just a few asset classes, but I'm talking about you need uh, precious metals, gold, crypto, um, bonds, stocks, real estate, um physical and, and REITs, um, you need um, commodities, you need all these different sort of uh, asset classes to be truly diversified. And 
I call BS on that. I, that's that's not true. And the the reason, or at least why my line of thinking goes that way, is if you look at the historical performance of these so-called alternative asset classes, whether it be commodities, precious precious metals, gold, um, they usually underperform the uh, equities market by a lot. And they really only come up in times of great uncertainty um, where, uh, you know, there's a lot of fear in the stock market. Uh, maybe the uh, the uh, cycle of the economy is towards the end and, you know, we're getting ready to enter a recession. And all of a sudden, you know, people bring up alternative asset classes. And, you know, it's, it's just funny because if you just sit back and see what's the thing that's, you know, built people wealth, it's not these alternative asset classes. It's having a well-diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds and cash reserves. Those are the three asset classes that you really need to have full-on diversification. You don't need this crypto stuff. Um, you definitely don't need gold or silver or precious metals, and you don't need to be trading corns futures uh, in your portfolio, right? So, I'm going to leave you off with this podcast by telling you what I consider a well-diversified portfolio um, that's non-speculative in nature and that's meant for the everyday investor, not the everyday speculator, if you will. So again, if you're under 30, uh, you should be 100% in your portfolio should be 100% equities. Uh, I guess maybe 99%, you should have 1% allocated to some kind of cash reserves. Uh, whether you put that in an online savings account, a money market account, or a short-term uh, bond fund, like a treasury bond fund, um, that's fine. Uh, but really, you know, it should be all gas, no brakes, as Kevin says, and, and just be in um, equities. And then, you know, if you're 30 to 40, maybe you should consider having a little bit of exposure to a, um, a total bond market or intermediary uh, treasury bond. Um, not much. Um, if you still know your horizons like 30, 40 years out, you probably don't need any still at that age. But, you know, maybe you're 30 and you're looking at to retire at 50. I can understand, you know, where you have a 90, 10 uh, portfolio or I'm sorry, an 80, 10, 10, where you have 80% equities, 10% bonds and 10% in cash reserves. And then, you know, once you're 40, uh, you probably should get a little bit closer to uh, a 70, 20, 10 portfolio. We have 70% in the stock market, 20% um, in bonds, and 10% in cash reserves. And then, um, you know, 50 and 60, uh, you should definitely be somewhere in a, in a well-balanced portfolio of, of stocks, bonds, and, and cash reserves. And if you just follow that line of thinking, that, that proven system since 1800s, it's been proven, you know, if, if, if you're in equities, if you're in bonds, um, I remember Bogle in his second book uh, wrote, he has this statistical data going back to 18, I might get it wrong now, I think 1896 is the year. So that's well over a century now. Um, it's 100 25 years of data on bonds and um, the fact that they were the best performing asset class before the equities market because believe it or not um, you couldn't just invest in the stock market in the, two, in the 20s you know that's when uh, the roaring 20s and the stock market really became accessible 
uh, to everyday people. Um, but before that, you couldn't really just invest unless you were an accredited investor and you had some money and wealth behind you. Now, of course, it was still very expensive for for the average investor in the 20s to invest. They had to use a broker. Um, but they were doing stuff that uh, I see people doing in crypto today is they were just betting on the price. Um, they had these rolls of ticker tape. That's where that's where the, the term ticker symbol comes from. They had these ticker rolls and all the prices would print of, of all the stocks on the stock market. And everybody would just follow the price and bet on the price. And there's what what we see in crypto today is a digitalized version of what we saw in the roaring 20s when the stock market became available to to everyday people and what followed from that you know in 1931 and 32 is a 60% uh correction and then another 25% correction basically almost 80 85% of the market uh, no actually 87% of the market got wiped out okay and Everybody lost everything because these people were overextended. Some people were using leverage at the time. Credit was still a new thing, but you know people were borrowing. Um, nothing different than you know somebody that takes out a second mortgage and puts it on on one of these uh, meme coins and thinks that you know they're going to become a billionaire overnight because that's how it works, right? So this stuff has been around. If you just study history, if you pick up a few books uh, from the twenties. And you read about the current events, or, or you read any kind of uh, uh, investing book that goes uh, over um, long periods of time of investing data, um, you'll see that these kinds of trends and these alternative asset classes have been around for a very long time. Uh, but even before that, you know, just the fact that people are betting on price uh, should be a really, really big red flag as far as what kind of investment that is. So. That's my spiel on crypto and why um, hopefully I was able to convince you why it's a Ponzi scheme. Um, but really, if you just listen to the first part of the podcast, um, it's it's got this mystery behind it. It's difficult for anybody to explain what it is, how it works. Um, there's a, a storyline and a narrative about all these future use cases that are not coming to fruition. And the biggest thing is... Um, as long as there's a fool that you can sell it to, the price will keep going up um, with no intrinsic or underlying value behind that price. So um, like I said, eventually we're going to run out of fools. And um, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I know it's probably not popular opinion in a great crypto bull run <laughs> to say that this is a Ponzi scheme. But um, I always like to think independently from from the herd um, and my opinions are my opinions, of course. And if, if I'm wrong, 20, 30 years from now, you'll probably hear me admit that I was wrong, but more than likely I'm right. Um, based off of everything that I know and everything that I've studied more than likely I'm right. And if you look at some of the best, uh, investors out there, uh, the Warren Buffett's of the world, um, and you look at statements or, or things they've said about, cryptocurrencies, you'll see that um, I would say the majority of them don't uh, believe in it or invest in it or think that it is some sort of new uh, currency or payment uh, system of the, of, of the future. Instead, you know, they probably believe uh, along the same lines as me that it's something that uh, people are using to 
speculate on price and basically gamble um, and then mask it up as uh, a sound investment. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, episode number 41. Uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to get to do this uh, for a living. I I really appreciate all you guys that support me and uh, listen to the podcast and listen and watch the YouTube channel. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. Uh, also, if you want to help me out, uh, please do, uh, 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 if you're listening on the Apple podcast side, please go to uh, your uh, phone and look me up on the Apple podcast, the monkey finance show. And then if you scroll towards the bottom of my page, you'll see a um, ratings and review section. If you can drop me a five star rating, I'd really appreciate it. And if you want for a chance for your review to be read live here on the air, uh, go ahead and write a review as well. I'd uh, really appreciate it. If it's not a good one, that's okay. Uh, you can still, uh, you know, write me a review. I'll still read it, even if it's not my favorite. It's just how fair of a guy I am. Because uh, I know this episode might piss some people off, but that's okay. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great rest of your day. And remember, move obstacles, keep investing. <laughs>